This is the Saxo Market Call, daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Thursday, 17th of November, 2022 in markets. In consolidation mode, we've been kind of going sideways here, really, if you look at a daily closing basis for the better part of a week since that crazy uh, Thursday CPI uh, release last week. We got strong data in the U.S. yesterday, a very strong October retail sales print, 1.3% uh, on the headline versus the 1% expected. That's month on month. And uh, even stronger was the 0.9% on the ex-food and energy uh, print there. And that was on top of a, a plus 0.3%. Uh, revision to the prior month's data. So, you know, good stuff there. Of course, uh, no huge surprise to see the NAHB housing market survey dumping another five points. Only one data point since uh, I think it's 2012 uh, that is lower than that. And that was the single worst month during the pandemic outbreak. So uh, oddly, though, maybe not oddly, if you look at other impacts here, we had a strong U.S. Treasury auction. We saw yields going lower. And we saw the equity market consolidating uh, a bit lower, certainly the, the short end of the U.S. yield curve holding up on that retail sales data point. Uh, but are you seeing anything in the mix uh, in the internals here in this market, Peter? As I'm not sure exactly what we're waiting for here, but uh, it's, it just still feels like we're digesting a bit what happened from the heels of last Thursday's uh, CPI release. Yeah, so as I've mentioned in the past couple of uh, podcast episodes, it's um, I think the signal to noise ratio is quite uh, quite low. It has dropped. Um I mean, look at the uh, movements you had yesterday, uh, you know, bubble stocks, uh, green transformation, uh, e-commerce and giving back between four and five percent on that rather, uh, you know, low, low volume, low news or in the day yesterday. Um, I It's uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of retail investors that have come back in the in the past couple of weeks and was really active last week on that inflation print. Um um, that's the only way I can explain some of these a uh, little bit excessive moves. And then, um, and then, defense stocks had a good day yesterday. Of course, after that uh, uh, missile uh, incident in uh, in in Poland, so um, so a little bit bits there. But uh, I expect the defense industry to continue to be bit. But I think we had an internal call, uh, John. Uh, you were there, of course, uh, where we discussed a little bit big the bigger picture, and we're moving into. The uh, getting closer to the final months of this year, and um, we we as a team we need to think deep about what will happen next year. And I was asked, so what is the what is one of the key things on on equities? And as I said, I mean the the first I've said it on this podcast before. The first phase were the repricing of high interest rates. The sensibility there's a sensitivity from further rising interest rates is is more minimal now. So the the next phase is a uh, widening equity risk premium, which would typically go hand in hand with a higher probability of a recession or an, or an outright recession. So even if interest rates stay flat here at the current level dictated by the Fed uh, to fight inflation, then we, we could actually see equities higher, uh, sorry, lower because of this margin compression from wage input pressures, which will lower earnings per share and a higher risk equity risk premium. That could ultimately take us to that 3,200. And I think this whole wage dynamic is really the key thing i what i'm hearing in the uh, the company's base books um also commentaries from all companies is that this is the single one biggest concern for every company and i, I just find it interesting that you have had these two uh, recent research papers coming out from the rba two months ago and a little bit more than a month ago from uh, from the imf that you know the wage price dynamics right now they're very different from the 1970s and the IMF one from a little bit more than a month ago that they, you know the why uh, the wage uh, price spiral is contained 
to me, it's suggesting that these central banks they are extremely well aware that this is the this is the toxic this is the toxic link, the big X factor, if you will, on inflation, and they're trying to to control the narrative that everything looks okay, and uh, that's often a sign that things are not okay. And I just looked in, I looked up the Atlanta Fed uh, median wage growth tracker, and um, it actually bumped a little bit higher in October, as you can see here on slide three. So uh, this is definitely something to uh, to have on the radar if you are a little bit longer term investor here. Yeah, you would think at least uh, that those median wages establish some kind of floor on yeah, where yeah. CPI can drop to over the longer run. Uh, and then uh, not quite on the same note, but it's just interesting to see, again, we had a hot retail sales number uh, yesterday. It helps to keep the Fed expectations uh, elevated. I think the Fed is really wanting to uh, to get into this 50 basis point deceleration. It wants to confirm that, uh, at least you know, provided we don't get some kind of crazy CPI shock for the November print uh, in early December. Um, and we saw even the the premier hawk or the one of the more hawkish Fed members, Christopher Waller, on the board of governors, sort of approving that downshift as well. Again, with a bit of a incoming data hedge on his comments, but it's pretty clear that's where we're gelling to. Um, and then you see just what the yield curve is doing. So just the market is continuing to price a forward recession here. Um, so look at slide four, and we, we've said we've you know we've talked about in the past that the yield curve generally has sort of inverted at most about minus 50 basis points in a couple of previous cycles since 1981, where the experience was actually minus 200 basis points. Very different uh, policy levels back then, you know, 15, uh, the, you know, policy rates in the teens, et cetera, even 20% at one point. But still, it's it's a big move. We're down to minus 67 basis points after yesterday's action. And that it's just interesting to see that and contrasting it with uh, that strong retail sales print itself, but as well, the Atlanta Fed's GDP now, and it's an attempt to measure sort of with higher frequency data what the GDP is might be this this quarter is uh, reaching local new highs well above 4%. Uh, so, you know, we have this narrative of peak tightness, but the data is not all lining up. Not all the ducks are lining up except for uh, just the last couple of uh, little bits of inflation, uh, you know, coming off a little bit here. So I find that interesting. Uh, dollar going sideways a little bit as well. We're waiting for the autumn budget statement. I'll get to that in a moment. But I think today we might risk, guys, uh, getting a little bit into the weeds on weather uh, and energy. I think just I, I certainly like to to encourage readers to read up on this. I think it's an interesting, uh, uh, interesting set of developments here as we may finally be getting to some colder weather. Certainly in the U.S., uh, although we've we've seen quite a quite a cold snap here in the U.S. We have indeed, and we've seen uh, gas prices uh, accordingly jump once again, as you can see in slide six. We uh, we recently just uh, rallied from $5 all the way up to 7 We're now <clears throat> getting closer to uh, trading around six thirty-seven. Um, but what is uh, what is uh, occupying uh, the, the, or attracted some attention is the it was highlighted just the other day by by uh, a Twitter guy in in London saying that the the, uh, the current uh, Arctic cold bubble is is uh, starting to get supercharged, basically being a lot colder than we've seen in uh, at least last year. And uh, if that uh, if that should burst, we we could see uh, quite a substantial uh, drop in temperatures uh, in, in January and February. And also the, the this this buildup of of uh, cold weather is uh, of low temperatures also is partly explaining the reason why we had this mild autumn because it's basically been sucking warm air uh, northwards uh, up until up to the pole and and uh, so the whole the whole critical story is basically whether we're going to see a uh, this this so-called this polar vortex burst when we get into at some point and as you can see on the uh, explanation explanation here on slide seven just give an idea about what 
what uh, polar vortex means and what uh, and in what circumstances it could it could burst and send uh, waves of, of cold weather south. Uh, it's just worth uh, taking a closer look at. We've seen that, John, in, on several occasions in the U.S. over the past few years, where suddenly you have this massive uh, blue uh, blue. Um, what do you call that invasion coming going south oh, um, cold france yeah cold france yeah uh so um it's one we need to keep an eye on but uh, at, at least for now we uh we've seen this uh we've seen these lng out it's uh the freeport plant keeping more gas at home we've seen a robust production growth this year so uh, inventories are fairly close to their to their long-term averages so um so at least they have gas in stores to cope with the a potential change in the temperature but if we look towards europe on slide uh, eight the market is really just still trading from one from one week to the next, and uh, and uh, the the next week uh, is showing a continued uh, a continuation of the mild weather that we've seen so far, and that's sending prices back down towards that uh, five uh, one hundred euro uh, per 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 megawatt uh, price, which has uh, become a bit of a flaw recently. We're also seeing that the uh, the spread between December and February is uh, trading at just around ten euros. So basically, the market stopped pricing in a a, a peak winter price of uh, of more than ten euros above the current spot price so um that's obviously uh things that could change dramatically if, if we do see if we do see this uh shift in shift in weather but for now it's um it's, it's fairly fairly quiet but i think we just need to be uh somewhat concerned that uh, we could still face a very very cold winter ahead yeah and if, if you really want to i don't want to discuss all the particulars here on our podcast but i just found it a very uh, fascinating topic that was flagged to me in a podcast i was listening to about the uh climate impacts <clears throat> of this uh, very interesting volcano, uh, volcanic eruption, which injected uh, water vapor directly into the stratosphere. It's very unusual. It essentially hasn't been seen by volcanologists in, in you know, modern, the times of modern science. So if you want to, if you want to look at it up, there's this, uh, the, it's a Tongan volcano that erupted uh, at the start of this year in particular. It started in December, but the big one was uh, at the beginning of this year. Uh, I won't try to pronounce this, but it's <laughs> Hunga Tonga Hunga Apai. <laughs> but if you want to look it up, just look up the Tongan volcano uh added 10 percent to the amount already in the stratosphere of water vapor water vapor is a very powerful uh <clears throat> very powerful climate um or sorry greenhouse gas so that may have been behind some of the uh, crazy weather extremes uh particularly for this year i'm not you know i'm not talking about the the, the slow and long-term shift in climate but sort of the particular aggravation of some of the heat waves this year so just have a look uh, if that interests you. I, I find it fascinating. I'm going to be following up on it uh, myself. All right, rewinding a bit to uh, where we are in the FX market. And again, just briefly, uh, just as we're waiting for risk sentiment and whether it's going to continue higher, I think that's the chief driver of the U.S. dollar here. It, it seems to be a bit of a high bar to get the Fed expectations to shift. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, resistance to this uh, move in uh, the longer the U.S. yield curve could come in uh, quite soon. So the the really the currency in focus here is... Uh, sterling over this autumn budget statement and you know it looks to me like I, i'm very curious if we get a, a, a turnaround here and sterling back to the downside if not i would suggest it's because we are continuing to uh just have a, a strong period here for global sentiment uh, it just doesn't look like a very realistic plan uh that we're seeing from uh jeremy hunt and company with this autumn budget statement a lot of the measures particularly the most sort of politically toxic ones around income tax rises etc are set to sort of kick into effect uh, very obviously after the 2024 election to avoid a hit to Tory popularity before then. And the the real sort of uh, tightening of, of the budgetary dynamics not set until 2026, 2027. It's a long time until then. 
Uh, and I think there's plenty of room for uh, the market to to put a question mark around all of this, which in the end as well is just going to mean an aggravated uh, a downside for the UK economy, which is already heading towards recession. If we get the energy side in play here again, that's just compounding it. So just very curious what the market's vote of confidence is today over Sterling. I am willing to admit Sterling could go higher still here, uh, but only I think of the backdrop is, is uh, extremely supportive. Uh, and then we saw an Australian jobs report overnight, quite strong. Uh, the unemployment rate dropping to 3.4%, good full-time wage growth, but uh, that's a choppy data series. And Aussie not getting much out of it, I think, because Aussie has most of its eyes on sentiment in Asia, which finally took a, a bit of a beating on uh, just, just some consolidation after a wildly strong move on hopes of the, the Chinese opening. Uh, well, I don't know if you want to cover the coffee chart we uh, uh, here on, on slide nine before we head back to equities. Yeah, might as well just uh, just highlighting the uh, part of the reason why we see this uh, big collapse in, in coffee prices recently. Uh, it is a combination of of uh, consumption away from home uh, starting to slow down, and uh, at the same time, we're also seeing coffee uh, starting to arrive at the uh, ice exchange monitored warehouses uh, has basically uh, surged higher. So uh, what we're finding ourselves in the situation right now is that that the, the stock levels uh, are monitored by ice exchanges are around uh, just below 500,000 uh, bags. So that's the lowest since, uh, since uh, 2000, so more than 20 years ago. Uh, but we, at this moment in time, we got some like the close to 600,000 bags waiting to be assessed and waiting to be, uh, to be uh, well, assessed for quality to be put into storage. So basically that could more than double the, the available uh, availability of, of, uh, of coffee. And that's, that's now that's all that's priced into the market. So the question is whether how much further negative impact it will have. As you can see in the chart, that 157 level is pretty key because that is the 61.8% retracement of the whole rally we had up from 2020, the 2020 low. So uh, so it's a key battleground here. But just to highlight that uh, it's, it's responding to these news, which are which by now should be priced into the into the market. Okay, and then over in equities, uh, Peter, we got our news in from NVIDIA, and uh, you were also focusing on Siemens. So what's your take on what they're reporting? Yeah, so we have had a strong earnings release from Siemens here in uh, early hours in Europe. Um, very strong intake on orders. Uh, revenue as well was beating estimates. They're lifting the outlook for operating margin at three of their largest divisions. Um, so they're bucking the trend there on uh, on margin compression and, and inflation. Quite impressive numbers, to say the least, from Siemens. And should uh, weigh positively on sentiment in the European session. And then we also have had new car registrations in Europe up to 12.2% year-a-year in October. Uh, so that's a liftoff from uh, just below 10% year-a-year growth in September. And um, should be lifting the European car makers in today's session as well. And then the big, the big earnings release yesterday, of course, was uh, NVIDIA. So they saw a doubling of their inventories. Demand is weakening. They had a, you know, a, a significant decline in their in their earnings. Their bottom line, I think, it was seventy percent decline. Uh, top line decline was seventeen percent, and they are projecting six billion dollars uh, plus minus two percent uh, revenue for the current quarter we're in, uh, which would uh, constitute a minus twenty percent decline on the top line. So yeah. Nvidia is definitely feeling the heat here and have been. Uh, been quite surprised that I mean the management. Uh, you know, if you're a shareholder, you must be a little bit frustrated that the management has been so slow at reacting to this uh, demand slowdown, uh, getting their um, you know getting their production more in line with the underlying demand. Because what have happened is that you know prices are coming down rapidly on GPUs, and and this buildup of inventory is uh, is um, 
is is eating up eating up capital and is deteriorating the cash flows for the business. So um so that's that that's not too good to say the least. Um and if we um if we look ahead, uh oh, maybe we should also uh, mention that the Target was out reporting yesterday um and they definitely didn't have a, a good quarter and I think that you know supported that conversation you and I had John about the substitution effect and and Walmart actually doing relatively better. So I think if you take the Walmart and the Target earnings releases over two days, I think it really confirmed the substitution effect is uh, is increasing in the U.S. Uh, consumer uh, sector. Uh, if you look at the earnings today, applied materials, um, you know, a, a slowdown there, of course, in their top line uh, margins under pressure. Palo Alto Networks and cybersecurity expected uh, to have strong growth, close to 30% uh, top line growth and margin expanding. And then we have Alibaba being the uh, the big Chinese e-commerce giant, and they slipped into a negative revenue growth for the first time, I think, uh, in the company's history uh, in the last quarter. And um, analysts already, you know, seeming to be quite upbeat already, expecting revenue growth to get back to four percent. Although that's not a lot, and and margins are still still under pressure for Alibaba. And uh, as you can see, the share price here on slide eleven, it's been a hell of a decline from the uh, from the peak. Uh, late uh, 2020. So um, yeah, let's see whether something uh, whether something positive can happen for Alibaba today. All right, <clears throat> let's have a look at the macro calendar briefly. So again, it's all about this uh, budget statement and a vote of confidence on Sterling to me. And uh, we've got an interesting direction of travel for Sterling coming into this. Although much of that is misleading if you're looking at cable, because if you look at Euro Sterling, it's just been choppy within a range. So let's see uh, how the Market votes uh, after that presentation, uh, not, of course, uh, to forget what the particulars are there, but a lot of these have been sort of uh, leaked in advance. Uh, small bits and pieces out of the U.S. Just briefly, just a sort of a confirmation indicator that we are in recession in the U.S., to my mind, would be a jobless claims where the six-week average is, is sort of persistently making new highs, and that would require it to head above 250K, and we're absolutely nowhere near that, and it would certainly take several weeks to get uh, the moving average above that level, we're currently around 220k on the on that six week moving average. So looking for that uh, as a the better high frequency indicator on the U.S. jobs market. Some Fed speakers out, including uh, uh, Hawks, Kashkari, and Bullard, and maybe interestingly overnight, uh, if you're if you're watching a, uh, the Japanese CPI figure, expected to post new highs for the cycle, and really in the modern era, at 3.6% uh, on the headline and 2.4% ex food. Uh, X fresh food, as they call it, and energy. Uh, I wonder if we get the upside surprise on that notion that some of the food prices were jacked up in October um, uh, after some some apparently some pretty hefty price controls, uh, sort of self-imposed price controls by uh, the food industry or supermarket wholesaler industry. All right. It's uh, uh, interesting times here, but it just it seems like the markets are stuck here. I'm curious what will get them unstuck, uh, but we'll see <laughs> as things develop. And uh, yeah, stay careful out there. And we'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.